It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Guessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Coming to you on Monday, September 10th. Big news ripples across the galaxy once again. LA Galaxy in search of another head coach after uh, after getting rid of two in two years. Siggy Schmidt resigns. We're going to have a bunch of information covering this. Obviously, uh, a little bit of a surprise. Certainly a little bit of a surprise for me this morning. Uh, Kevin and I have been digging around and talking to people all day, and we're glad that we could come to you as soon as we possibly can with at least some semblance of an idea of what exactly is going on in the front office with this LA Galaxy team right now because I'll tell you from the outside looking in it looks like they're in complete disarray so we've got a bunch to talk about Uh, Mr. Kevin Baxter is traveling on the road currently in Nashville covering the U.S. men's national team Kevin uh, I'm glad you could uh, you could call in I'm I'm glad we could get you it's been a busy day yeah the internet's not working too well here so the, uh, the the corner of the galaxy microphone won't work but you're right I am in Nashville where the U.S. national team without Sebastian Legette We'll play Mexico tomorrow on September 11th. Um, interesting thing about Mexico being here is, guess what? Jonathan Dos Santos appeared at the press conference today and did not talk at all about the Galaxy, even though the Galaxy has just uh, lost its coach. Mm. So that was kind of interesting. Kind of shows where his head's at. Yeah, I was going to say that is a is an interesting take. I mean, it's listen. Uh, I I have recently and and people are pointing this out. I had recently uh, responded to a comment with somebody saying that you know the whole front office needs to be gone. And Kevin, you and I have talked recently about that on our podcast and the, even me on the Thursday night shows talking about how this front office somewhat seems to be bulletproof and all of these things. And I said, you know, who's also not going anywhere is Siggy Schmidt. So I have my own Dom Dwyer situation um, now. Uh, now that you had yours, Kevin, uh, Dom Dwyer is never getting traded from Sporting Kansas City uh, and he's now with Orlando and I said Siggy Schmidt isn't going anywhere and he is now gone. So I guess we're on even footing there. Well, and wow, you just you just uh, moved right on past Jonathan Dos Santos there. I thought that was going to be a, uh, a softball for you. But yeah, well, at least both of us have doms. I have a dom door. You have a Dominic Kinnear involved in your thing. That's right. Um, when I first heard the reports early this morning, it came out from Taylor Twelman first that Ziggy Schmidt uh, was out as coach. Um, the, the first reports were that he had stepped down. And, and from the very, very beginning, that did not pass the smell test. I talked to Ziggy not too long ago to, to right now what is an ill-fated story about how Ziggy was back. Um, it, this was during the nine-game unbeaten streak. So at that point, he was back. But that didn't pass the smell test because when I talked to him during that interview, he made it pretty clear that soccer was all he cared about. Soccer was his life if he wasn't watching soccer or coaching soccer he was thinking about soccer and so the idea that he would walk away from a team in a playoff race with six games to go in the season um just did not make any sense and you know as you and i delved into this a little bit uh more um ziggy may have signed the paper saying that he was walking away and he may have had a discussion with chris klein as chris klein says they, they did and reached what he called a mutual decision but um, if, the, if the Galaxy didn't push Ziggy out the door, they certainly walked him to the exit, opened the door, and showed him the way out. So I, I don't there's no way that Ziggy makes this decision on his own. Yeah, the, uh, the original announcement that came out from the LA Galaxy, I'll read uh, Ziggy's part of this here, is 
Uh, he says, and I quote, I have coached at various levels of soccer in the United States for over 35 years where I have dedicated myself to furthering the sport in our country. After careful consideration, I've decided to step away from coaching at this time, but would like to remain in the game. With six games remaining as the club fights for a playoff spot, I understand the timing of this decision is unfortunate. However, I believe this group can come together and fight for a spot this season under Dom's guidance. I am grateful for the LA Galaxy for being such a significant part of my life and my career. I want to thank Mr. Anschutz, the fans, my players, and the club for their support during my time here. Um, I I don't know if we said it, but uh, LA Galaxy assistant coach that uh, Siggy Schmidt brought in, uh, Dominic Kinnear, who of course is a former MLS coach with the Houston Dynamo, um, and the San Jose Earthquakes. Uh, he is, of course, um, now tagged with the interim tag there, Kevin. Uh, the, the Maybe the kiss of death interim tag for the LA Galaxy this time. So Dominic Kinnear will lead the LA Galaxy through the final six games of this uh, this season. And uh, and hopefully with a little bit of help and, and some miracles, uh, perhaps the Galaxy can rally after all this and actually make the playoffs. But... The timing of all of this is one of the first red flags you could ever have, Kevin. Like you said, six games left. LA Galaxy, while they're two spots away, they're only three points out of the playoffs. This was a time where the Galaxy really should have been focused and pressing these last six games, and now instead they're switching coaches. This, this was That was the first red flag that Siggy Schmidt didn't just simply decide one day as, as a happy camper that he was with the LA Galaxy. Everything's happy and wonderful, Kevin. Siggy Schmidt decides one day, hey, you know what? I'm just, I guess I'm just going to go not coach anymore. That, that seems like a ridiculous turn. Yeah, and, and he, you know, the interesting thing is when they brought Dominic Kinnear in as Ziggy's hand-picked assistant coach a year ago, I kind of had the feeling that he was perhaps the coach in waiting. Uh, here's a guy who's the third winningest coach in MLS history, a guy that's won four conference championships and two MLS Cups. Doesn't seem like the kind of guy who would want to be an assistant. He seemed quite happy in that role. Um, and so when Ziggy did resign, get pushed out, quit, whatever happened to him, um, the Galaxy said that uh, Dominic is no more than an interim, and they didn't even, in my understanding, is they haven't even committed to giving him an interview for the permanent job. So that that was a little interesting. I mean, there's all kinds of interesting things going on here. And you talked about how the front office kind of got a pass last year when Kurt Onofa was let go, and they brought Ziggy, uh, you know, let Ziggy have some more power during the offseason to sort of build the kind of team that he wanted. Um, nothing happened to anyone in the front office. Everyone kept their same uh, – pretty much kept their same positions and pay grade and everything else. This time, Chris Klein is saying that everyone will be reevaluated again. And he, he said in his conference call today indicated that everything is on the table and that the front office will get another look. So there could be more moves coming uh, in the off season. I don't think any of that stuff will happen now, but there could be more moves coming in the off season. Yeah. And it's an interesting sort of take from, from Chris Klein's perspective as well is that uh, as you said, relatively unscathed from what they did in, in 2017. Um, but you have to even go back to whenever Bruce Arena left and the hiring of Kurt Anolfo. I mean, this is a front office and an organization, Kevin, now that will be on its third coaching search uh, that they've made. Now, granted, I think Chris Klein really downplayed the, the quote-unquote search they had for Siggy Schmidt whenever Kurt Anolfo was let go. Um, but remember that there was supposedly a, a wide and far net cast uh, for, for Kurt Anolfo whenever he was put into the position. And it, it's starting, at least in my mind, to sound like sort of some empty promises. The Galaxy once again said that this is one of the most important decisions that they're going to make to find a head coach that will lead this organization going into 2019. But at the same time, 
time, that was really the the same party line that you got whenever they got Kurt Anolfo, um and, and brought him in. So, I mean, you know, if you're if you're Dan Beckerman, if you're Phil Anschutz, the guys who are supposedly overseeing the LA Galaxy and looking at these things, Kevin, I mean, do you even sit there and entertain the same front office going after their third coach, uh, you know, roughly in as many seasons? Well, you know, the, the whole talk about, uh, you know, a wide search when they hired Kurt Anoffel, that that's not true. They, they they said that. I know they said that, and they tried to push that line. But, but Kurt Anoffel was pretty much the the leader in the clubhouse before Bruce Arena had ever officially cleaned out his office. So, um, you know, Kurt Anoffel was the guy that they wanted. And you and I talked about this earlier. I, I still believe that given the, the amount of change that the Galaxy was trying to make in Kurt Anoffel's season – you know, changing to a, an all-young team, you know, getting rid of a lot of players, academy team. I really thought that Kurt deserved a longer um, uh, chance than he got. He only got 20 games, and, and the front office had forced him to do some pretty heavy lifting as far as the changes they made. Now, it's interesting that the um, change in coaches, uh, Ziggy was announced, and immediately after that, Jonathan Dos Santos was signed. Right. There hasn't been a lot of speculation, and, and I think that there's some truth to it that Gio was unhappy under Kurt Anoffo, and that before Jonathan came in, that Papa Dos Santos had uh, pretty much told the Galaxy that, that they did not want Jonathan coming into play under Kurt Anoffo. Again, I don't know how much truth it, it, there is to that, but I tend to believe it because it kind of rings true, uh, given the timing and everything else. So Ziggy comes in, Jonathan Dos Santos comes in. The team is in a mess, as we know, just kind of reviewing last season. So Ziggy got the offseason. He was put in charge of player personnel, got the offseason to fix the team, was given some money, went out and, as we know famously, spent a lot of money on, on defenders, wanted to spend more, but the Galaxy gave $1.5 million um, to Zlatan, which I'm sure Ziggy was happy with, but, but his point that he made to me was that he did not get the resources that he felt he needed to shore up the defense and was going to address that again in the offseason, he said, you know, we've made a lot of changes, but we haven't, we're not quite there. There's still a couple of uh, fine edges that we have to smooth off a little bit. So I, I again thought that Ziggy was making the point to management, as Kurt Anoffel tried to do, that this was more than a one-season plan, that making remaking this team, it was in such a mess that this would take more than one season. And, um, you know, again, I thought Ziggy probably deserved, uh, given his, his resume and what he's done, winning his coach in MLS history, that he deserved a, a second winter to try to get this right. He didn't get it. And one reason he didn't get it, it, it what I'm hearing is I, I don't think mutiny is the right word, but there was a little bit of a revolt in the dressing room. The players were unhappy with Ziggy for, uh, I'm not sure exactly what, but there was a lot of frustration. You saw it with Salatan among others. There was a lot of frustration. There was a lot of frustration with the defenders over the fact that um, the coaching staff uh, was not able to solve these these simple problems that maybe the defender should have solved on solved, solved on their own. Excuse me, but maybe the coaching staff got in the way. The 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 mistakes that they continued to make game after game after game, and in the last three games they've given up 12 goals. So it, you know over the passage of time those mistakes have not gotten any better. And so a lot of players in the dressing room let it be known that they were unhappy with Ziggy. That Ziggy was not the guy that was could lead them forward. Uh, but they, they were very happy with Dominic Kinnear. Whether that was how that filtered up to the front office, I don't know. But Chris Klein definitely got the message. Uh, and with six games left, they had to make the change now during the FIFA break 
because Dominic Kinnear is their only chance of salvaging the season at this point. Yeah, I mean, if it is, and we talked about this whenever Siggy Schmidt came in last year, we talked about how he had some frank conversations with people, with certain players, whenever he came first came in in like the first couple weeks of his tenure with the LA Galaxy, taking over for Kurt Anolfo, that he came in and basically said, hey, you need to make plans to play elsewhere next season because there's no future for you here on the LA Galaxy. And you go through and look at the LA Galaxy basically jettisoning singing uh, you know 15 players um, last season and there were a lot of guys that of course that rubbed the wrong way uh, I can tell you that my phone is full of, uh, of text messages today from former and current players talking about how yeah Siggy Schmidt did run the, rub them the wrong way uh, and that certainly could be a reason but I, I find it hard to believe at least in my mind and, and certainly I believe that there was some unhappiness with the way Siggy was running things and moving things but I have to imagine that the conversations that, that took place between you know the front office Chris Klein and Siggy Schmidt and he talks about how again we we talked Kevin real quickly and we said hey it seems like this this announcement that they made was really a Siggy decision and that the LA Galaxy just accepted that decision on face value and allowed Siggy Schmidt to leave but as soon as Chris Klein starts the conference call he talks about it being you know this mutual decision uh, he talks about how there was never anything brought up to anybody that they were always in a constant conversation it just to me it doesn't make sense there's nothing here outside of the players rising up and if there was like you said maybe mutiny's too strong maybe some un- unhappiness uh, maybe some concern from the players there's certainly outside of that what else triggered this I mean did in my mind it's the LA Galaxy talk with Siggy Schmidt and saying, hey, listen, you have six games left, and basically we're telling you that, you know, we're probably not going to renew your contract at the end of the year. As you and I have talked about uh, many times, Siggy Schmidt's contract up at the end of 2018, from our understanding, and if they said that now, um, would that be something that you could see that triggers all this rapid movement with just six games left in the season? Well, it, it, I mean, clearly it was that the team was just simply not responding to Ziggy's coaching. Um, whether it was his defensive game plan. I, I do know a lot of players told me personally that they give Ziggy a lot of credit for when he went to the three-man back line and how the team kind of took off and had that nine-game unbeaten streak. They give him a lot of credit for that. And there were some changes that he made in certain games at halftime where the team would come back um, from an early deficit and, and get back in the game and get a, a result that way. But that even even that begged the question of, well, if he knew the answer at halftime, why didn't he know the answer at the beginning of the game? Why, why did the team not come out and play that way, uh, you know, from the opening whistle? So there, there just seemed to be a lot of unanswered questions. Why was the team, why was the team making the same mistakes over and over again? Again, this is a defense, you know, Ashley Cole was back there. There are some good players there, some veteran players. Why could they not figure this out? And you sense the frustration on the players' Uh, faces when they would tell you after every game, we're making the same mistake again. Um, at first, I started to think, well, you know, you guys are big boys, figure it out. But I, I began to wonder if maybe the coaching staff, uh, you know, was a little bit involved in that too. And apparently they were. Um, the, what, what really happened, whether Ziggy's a great coach, and he is, he's 266 career wins, two MLS Cups, um, five U.S. Open Cups, he won a CONCACAF Champions Cup. Um, Ziggy is a good coach. Um, but you do have to look at the fact that in his first stay with the Galaxy, he was fired midseason in 2004. With the Seattle Sounders in 2016, he resigned by mutual decision uh, 20 games into that season. There's no doubt that he was pushed out the door there. And then the same thing here. Now, coaches will tell you they're hired to be fired. But um, 
you know, Ziggy has been let go, resigned, whatever you want to call it, um, in midseason in his uh, last two coaching stints in Seattle and, and now at the Galaxy. It was clear that the players were not responding to him, and you can't fire 25 players. So the coach, uh, for better or for worse, the coach becomes the scapegoat in a situation like this. Yeah, and I want to I want to clear up at least a little bit of inf- inside information that I have as well because uh, it certainly was asked in the in the opening moments of this is did Siggy decide to step down because of his health? Uh, Chris Klein came out, Kevin, and said uh, basically that that's uh, that Siggy's health is Siggy's issue, and that if uh, he ever wants to answer that question, he can. Um, I was told by somebody that I reached out and asked that question to right away uh, whenever we first saw this news as well that it was not a health-related issue, and it doesn't seem to be that. And so I sort of want to clear that up and at least point the conversation in what we believe is the right direction here. If Siggy Schmidt comes out and tells us, yes, he is uh, resigning because of his health, then we'll uh, we'll correct that. But I was told absolutely that that is not the reason, and I I don't think you have any information that would uh, dispute that, Kevin. Well, there are a couple of things. Um, One is, you know, we talked to a player earlier in the season um, when Siggy was, was struggling a little bit, and we asked a player, do you think that Ziggy's going to be fired? And the player said, no, but I'm not sure Ziggy's going to make it to the end of the season. And, well, if he's not fired, why isn't he going to make it to the end of the season? And this player said that a lot of the players in the dressing room talked about Ziggy's health and that they were a little concerned about Ziggy's health. Um, so I, I think that's where a lot of that came from. Um, I, I did talk a little bit to Ziggy today, and I asked him about the statement that he put out. Uh, he, he didn't want to be interviewed or anything about it today, but I did ask him about the statement he put out, and I said, you know, that's kind of not jiving with what I'm hearing. And he said um, that he, uh, um, uh, let me see if I can get the right words here. Right. He said that the what he said in the statement was his true feelings. Um, so, um, you know, take that for what it's worth. I did talk to another player today, um, and I said, my first question was, were you surprised about Ziggy? And he said, no. Uh, it was in a text message. He said no with an exclamation point after it. Uh, then I asked, uh, I said, well, I'm not really buying this story that he resigned. And the player responded with good, you shouldn't buy that. Um, so that, that kind of told me that uh, we weren't getting the straight scoop from the galaxy. And then finally I asked the player what happens next. And he said, the players love Dom. Yeah, so there yeah, you go. Yes. No, I mean, that's an important thing. I, I need to, maybe we peel the curtain back just a little bit behind how, uh, how we always get our information and how crazy days like this are. Uh, you and I have had maybe 12 phone calls together today to pass along little bits of information. So that way we can try to put together a full story. Um, and that, uh, you reach out to people that, you know, and I reach out to people that I know, and then we bring that all together to try to put it all together in something that everybody understands, or at least, uh, try to create a story, um, and, and put the storyboard together and all this stuff. So we're relying on all these different sources and streams of information that come in and you're trying to put those into something that makes sense in your head. And from the very beginning, we said some of this isn't making sense, uh, in terms of what was officially being put out and what we were hearing from other people. I also heard from, uh, from a couple different different both players and ex-players um, and people close to the uh, to the organization um, and was told emphatically that everybody loves Dominic Kinnear um, and that this team will definitely play for Dominic Kinnear, that it's not an issue and that there may be a motivational factor for that, that uh, just simply switching to Dom and putting him in charge could in fact give this LA Galaxy team a boost that maybe they need for these last six games. And it was it was unequivocal in terms of everybody liking Dominic Kinnear. Now, I, Kevin, I, I take a little bit of that with a grain of salt, which is, you know, Siggy and Dom had a sort of good cop, bad cop thing going for here. I mean, you heard Siggy Schmidt yelling and screaming at guys and Dominic Kinnear would be in somebody's ear telling them how awesome they are, and that's exactly what it is, and everybody loved uh, to work with Dominic Kinnear. So, I mean, 
there's a lot of things in this that you see and you have to try to, you know, try try to weigh what you're hearing and what you're seeing and, and how people are reacting and, you know, who's who's making these statements and understand what position they're in and what motivations they might have. But I'll tell you that without a doubt, everybody seems uh, excited about the, ch- the fact that Dominic Kinnear is coming in to, to take over this team for the last six games. Yeah, but what you just said is very interesting because if you have a good cop, bad cop situation, that, that, that can work. But if you only have the bad cop or you only have the good cop, it tends not to work because the, the bad cop comes off uh, as being way too harsh and way too critical. And the good cop, without the, you know, his alter ego, comes off as being way soft and way too complimentary and uh, um, you know, way too positive. And uh, I'm not saying that people don't need positive reinforcement, but I'm just saying that Sometimes if all you hear is the positive or all you hear in the negative, it, or you know, if you hear just one side or the other, that doesn't really work. I think you need to have both. And if Dominic doesn't have a bad cop, um, and if, if Dominic then all of a sudden, the guy has been praising players all this time, if Dominic all of a sudden comes off as being the guy that's critical – uh, you know, I wonder how players are going to take that message. Yeah, I mean, it is an interesting dynamic. I, I think a lot of times, Kevin, you and I also need to have more of a, a of a good cop and bad cop there. Although somebody did call me a balding clown recently, so I guess that guy would be the bad cop. Um, and then you telling well, me how awesome I am would be the good cop. Is that it? No, I get the clown part. I'm not sure about the balding. It it is are going. You I mean, balding? you know, I, I was I said and I tweeted this out. The he that that dude kind of hit my kryptonite because he at least found my one real sort of scary weakness that I'm afraid of. That I mean, it's certainly not growing anymore, Kevin. All right, we're not in the sprouting stage anymore. We're definitely in the recession now. Anyway. Well, you shouldn't be so hard on yourself. You have a lot more weaknesses than that. <laughs> I was going to say that should that shouldn't even be the major one, but it is. But anyway, no, no, go. there's a lot more. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, which we, you'll be happy to point out whenever we play our mini golf tournament coming up on uh, on this next Sunday, right? Absolutely, I am. I am stoked for that. Okay, good. We'll but talk. Like Ziggy, hey, Ziggy won't be in Toronto. Maybe he can come. He exactly. You should invite him. That's a good idea. All right. Uh, anyway, we'll have more information on that here a little bit later. I didn't mean to get off on a tangent, but I mean there there is a lot of things. I mean, the fact that there seems to be a positive response already from the players, Kevin, is one of those things that that makes you believe that you know the players being unhappy with Siggy Schmidt, uh, that the Galaxy, you know struggling and not responding to Siggy Schmidt may be able to be at least temporarily be fixed with the fact that, that Dominic Kinnear is coming in in a position where he can motivate these guys in the last six games. I just, I, I have to question it. Siggy Schmidt gets blown out in Real Salt Lake, right? It's a 6-2 loss. Um, why is this decision not made immediately after that? It literally takes a full week for them to come to a decision to part ways, basically. I mean, if, if we're going to say how that was all happened or, or for the Galaxy to decide to fire um, or walk him to the door, however you want to say it, it takes a full week. Why not make this move right after that 6-2 loss? That at least gives you all the justification you need for making a switch and you get two weeks of Dominic Kinnear training up the guys and talking up this guys. Now you're on basically a short week with some long travel coming going to Toronto and you have Dominic Kinnear coming in and going to try to implement his game plan, which we don't really know how much of Dom's game plan has ever been implemented under Siggy Schmidt. Well, uh, here I'm going to play bad cop with you and say that, um, you know, the, the timing was, was, was um, difficult to understand with Kurt Alfo too. I believe the decision to fire him was made on a Wednesday, and then Ziggy came in on a Thursday, and they had a game that weekend. So that was kind of weird. If the decision was made, I mean, what, what changes between the game on Saturday or Sunday and Wednesday? What changes? The, the, the team doesn't get any better. 
the team doesn't get any worse. And, and perhaps this is where that Papa Dos Santos story begins to get a little bit more interesting because, um, you know, I'm sure they were negotiating the contract during that week. And maybe at some point it did come up on Tuesday or Wednesday that we're not going to sign this until there's a coaching change. But with Ziggy, even more to the point, you had a whole entire week. You could have used the, the two week runway of the international break to get Dominic up to speed and to get the players used to this. Um, some of the players I talked to said it was a really wild day today. So obviously this did not happen over the weekend or even last week. It happened, you know, a lot of it came, came to pass today. And so now the players are distracted. They already have a short week because of travel. Um, yeah, the timing did not work on the Dominic end though. Uh, he didn't really have to come up to speed. He's been doing a lot of hands-on coaching anyways. He's been, uh, sort of, uh, Ziggy's, you know, man in the middle and in, in the huddles and on the field. Um, so he knows what's going on and he knows the players, but here's another interesting thing. Um, of the games, the galaxy had left the Toronto game may uh, be one of the most winnable ones, at least on paper. Yes. I know they're going to Toronto and they're playing the defending champions, but they've been struggling. Um, the galaxy now motivated into a new coach needs to win this game to stay in the, in the, in the playoff chase. So what happens if the galaxy lays an egg? What if they don't perform well? Um, then what happens? Because this is supposed to be the magic bullet. This is the one that's going to take them to the playoffs. If they wind up going out there and, and, and not playing well and losing, you know, rather one side, we say three to nothing, two to nothing. Um, what does that do to their psyche? Because now, um, you know, the, the Calvary has ridden in and they still got slaughtered. But what does that happen? So I think this is a really important game, especially since they're looking at home games with Seattle and Vancouver and a road game with Kansas City coming up. Those are going to be very tough. Uh, this, this Toronto game takes on a lot of added importance in my mind now that uh, Dominic is here and everyone's looking to him rather than themselves. You don't hear a lot of players saying, I'm going to step it up. You know, you hear that sometimes when a coach or manager is fired, the player's saying, look, it's our responsibility. We've got to step it up. You know, we let this guy down. I'm not hearing a lot of that. I'm right. hearing everyone saying Don's going to rescue us. Um, the players need to take some responsibility. And if, if, if Dominic is not able to rescue the team in Toronto, um, then I wonder what happens. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we talked about uh, last uh, last week's, not even last week's, but the the previous game, the loss to RSL being what uh, what the players were calling a must win. Uh, you go to Toronto, and now it looks like really you could have a must win situation uh, in terms of you lose to Toronto, and basically you, you can almost kiss your playoff again. Not really a must win, but Kevin, you talk about it. If there's going to be any momentum built to try to make any sort of playoff run, the Galaxy need to win in Toronto, and now that's being placed on Dominic Kinnear um, in the press in in the conference call. Uh, there were certainly some some questions about whether the timing would be beneficial or hurt the Galaxy in terms of only six games left. There's not really much you can do, but is this enough of a spark to get things going? And and Chris Klein, I think, very honest in being saying we don't have any idea what the timing. It could hurt us. It could help us. But bottom line is that you know long term success for the club uh, relies on the LA Galaxy parting ways with Siggy Schmidt, which is is. Again, if, if, if you really want to get to the final, you know, the final straw on all this is that the LA Galaxy clearly didn't see a future with Siggy Schmidt, despite the fact that I think Siggy Schmidt was one of the few people in the front office who had a game plan going into this offseason of what they wanted to do, how they wanted to fix the team. And now you're wiping that slate clean again, Kevin. Not only are you wiping the slate clean again, but as of right now, the LA Galaxy paying three coaches. 
Uh, three head coaches, really, Anolfo, Schmidt, and Kinnear. That's three coaches on the payroll. It looks like Anolfo and, and Schmidt will come off of that payroll at the end of this year. Um, and the LA Galaxy will be able to go out and, and possibly find somebody that they've been looking for. But, I mean, that's a question even in itself is, is the LA Galaxy a job that is even... Uh, coveted by somebody in a high position right now is the fact that Zlatan's there enough to get somebody to come into this front office and, you know, take over and see what they can do with this team in 2019 because they are wiping the slate almost clean again for the third straight season. Well, a couple of things. I mean, you, you, you bring up a lot of good points. One is one of the candidates I'm, I'm sure the Galaxy is going to look at is Greg Berhalter, right. who is also being wooed and not wined and dined by the U.S. national team. He's probably the front runner for that job, which is still vacant um, uh, 11 months after Bruce Arena resigned. Um, Dave Sarakin is still um, doing that job on an interim basis. So the Galaxy will, will probably look at Greg Berhalter. He's a very interesting candidate because he is a guy the Galaxy groomed. Back in the Tim Lai Wiki days, the Galaxy were very famous for grooming coaches and front office executives. Um, uh, that's where Chris Klein came from. He was groomed by the, the Tim Lai Wiki group then. Greg Berhalter was uh, made an assistant, came in as a player, became an assistant coach, kind of a playing coach for a while under Bruce Arena. Then AEG sent him off to Hammersby in Sweden, which is a team that they partly own. I think they own 45% of. And the idea was to get his head coaching start there. And he comes back to Columbus and gets the, the crew to the MLS Cup final. So this is a guy that owes his coaching start to the Galaxy, to Tim Iwicki and Bruce Arena, um, and has become a very successful coach and now a coach in demand. Uh, and the Galaxy, I'm sure, are going to look at him and, and feel like they probably have uh, you know, a right to come to him because uh, without him, they don't get their, uh, he doesn't get a start. So that would be uh, one candidate that, that they would look at. But um, another thing that Chris Klein said is that uh, – that uh, the Ziggy and, and the front office, they were on the same page. They saw eye to eye. But we know that not to be, in, in fact, true in all instances. Ziggy was very, you know, for example, in frustration, Ziggy was very uh, unhappy with where the uh, opposing uh, supporters sat during the LAFC game. Now, that may be a minor thing for the coach to be concerned about, but he did sort of put the blame on that on the front office and on the team and, and felt like, you know, that the team was sort of out to lunch and not really paying attention to details. He had the same reaction when he came in last year and, and uh, Von Dom wanted to leave and he asked the, the team for their other candidates, what other center backs are you looking at around the world? Which other ones are you scouting? And the Galaxy said, we don't keep those kind of lists. And that's a very, very basic minor thing. Uh, and the Galaxy didn't have that. Their scouting department was not up to speed on what other center backs the Galaxy could bring in and they wound up getting Michael Ciani, uh, pretty much sight on scene and, and paid 600000 for him and another 600000 this year. You know, Ziggy was very unhappy with that. Um, this year, he's, he brought in his son to head up the coaching department, uh, the scouting department, rather. Um, he brought in a whole new team of physios and, and, uh, and uh, uh, you know, uh, he brought in mental health doctors, all that kind of stuff, which the Galaxy didn't have really kind of made the physio and the athletic training department state of the art. There were a lot of things that Ziggy came in and didn't, the Galaxy simply didn't have, and Ziggy insisted on getting. So um, the, the, the front office did relent. So in that sense, I suppose they were on the same page. But I think philosophically they weren't on the same page. And you're absolutely right. Ziggy did have a plan going forward. He did know what he wanted to do. He did feel like this job was only half finished and that he needed another offseason to put it all together. So in a sense, the, it, this is where the Galaxy are really in, a, in disarray because 
they are back to square one again. Remember, Bruce left, and they decided they were going to go young. They were going to go with the Academy kids and Galaxy 2 kids and brought in Kurt Anoffo, who was their coach, the Galaxy, uh, Galaxy 2 coach, brought him in to lead that transition. They let him go after 20 games. Ziggy comes in, takes it exactly in another direction, beefs up scouting, you know, beefs up the physio department, changes a lot of things. They pull the plug on him. Now they're back to hiring a new coach who we don't know what kind of approach that coach is going to want to take. So once again, the Galaxy is back to square one. Whether they make the playoffs or not, the Galaxy will start next season completely with a completely different team and a completely different philosophy. There are a lot of people who aren't going to have jobs, whether they're physios or players, uh, who aren't going to have jobs next year. And the Galaxy are going to be taking a completely new philosophy, and they're going to see if that one works. Yeah, I mean, it, it does sort of seem like they're throwing spaghetti against the wall and seeing what sticks right now. I mean, that's that, uh, that's where it comes from. And, uh, you know, I'll go back to Chris Klein's comments because there was a question about whether uh, whether or not he was leaving because there was disagreements with the front office, and, and you sort of hint, hinted at that, or, or you talked about that fully here, Kevin, and, and this was the quote uh, from Chris Klein. He says, uh, as it relates to the team and the building of the team, Siggy had full authority to make roster decisions for this team this year. That was clear. I don't see how there was any disagreement. There's always discussions that happen, but we had a great working relationship with Siggy Schmidt. But we know, and, and you already highlighted that pretty clearly, is that you know the, the $1.5 million that was spent on Zlatan Ibrahimovic was supposed to go to, uh, to some more defenders, and that uh, you, know, you and I, I believe, feel pretty confident that Siggy Schmidt wasn't exactly you know, ecstatic about bringing Zlatan Ibrahimovic in. Um, it may have been, and it still is a good decision to bring Zlatan in, and certainly something I touched on the Thursday uh, night podcast, and you should uh, bring Zlatan in, but it did it did ru- ruin some things. So the fact that, you know, Siggy Schmidt is getting going to get an awful lot of the blame from this front office for the building of this team, and if you look at the places where it feels like it really collapsed in the defense, you look at guys like Michael Ciani, who Siggy Schmidt didn't really have that much of a say over in terms of how he came, but he needed the defender. They brought him in, and maybe a six-month contract would have been a lot better than an 18-month contract, um, so that fell apart. Uh, Siggy Schmidt will have his fingerprints on the Jorgen Shelvik deal as well. Shelvik, the highest-paid defender in Major League Soccer, according to MLS players union um so and, and you look at the failure of that defense and and what siggy did but i mean I, I don't know if it's genuine to say that siggy schmidt uh gets all of the blame for this roster um whenever last year the the only guy who got any of the blame for last year's roster was a guy who didn't necessarily have all the control either well and siggy talked you remember this at the at the most recent uh um, transfer window, Ziggy complained uh, a lot about how his hands were tied, that there was no money uh, available for anything. He talked earlier in the season about how there was money and he finally had resources. In August, he talked about how there was no money. The only change uh, that I saw was that they had brought in Zalatan between uh, the start of the season and the August transfer window, that he had no money and he had no DP spots. And uh, so essentially he had no room to maneuver. And I think a lot of that was also um, sort of orchestrated by the front office. You know, some of the things that they wanted to do, the the front office on on the galaxy, and this is true going back, uh, I think to a lesser extent, but going back to the Bruce arena years that they really get into the shiny object syndrome that they, when they have a chance to bring in a big name international player, um, Gio Dos Santos was one that they brought in that the coaching staff at that time was, was only lukewarm about. They did not, considered Gio. They thought Gio was an extremely talented player, 
but in looking at his track record two years and every stop that they didn't think that he was a winner. And they did not think that he was a guy that was worth a four year DP contract because they didn't think that he would perform for four years. Turns out that they were right. But the uh, galaxy uh, and AEG went ahead and did that because they thought geo would be great for marketing in the Latino community. And we know that that didn't work out either. Um, they, w- they went out and got Steven Gerrard, despite his uh, uh, injury ailments and other things in his age, the front of uh, the coaching staff was, was uh, super opposed to that move. But again, it was a guy that they could market around a guy that could sell jerseys. Steven Gerrard was going to be good for business. So they brought him in too. And I think Ziggy uh, felt a little bit of that too. Now, now I think everyone can agree is a lot of times been a great signing, but we didn't know that that was going to be that way. Uh, you know, when it first happened. So I think there was a little bit of that, like what can this guy do for us on the field um, more, you know, they were a little more worried about what he might be able to do for them off the field. The one thing that you talked about is whether the timing was good. And, and Chris Klein about that said it could be looked at both ways. We're hopeful that possibly an injection of energy into the group with getting some players back, it could shift the momentum. We're hoping for that. Um, we hoping that it'll be a good thing for us. I, I agree with him. Um, it is a roll of the dice right now, and you have to. And if you're the galaxy, you have to look at the positive side of this and say, this could be the uh, the injection of energy that we need. This could be the thing that puts us over the hump. We get guys thinking positive. We listen to your um, issues, players. We listen to what you were talking about in the clubhouse. Here's the guy you wanted. Now go out and win. You know, by the same token, it could be that this change just came way too late, that perhaps Dominic has some things that that he's been watching from the sidelines that he wants to put on the field. And there's just not enough time. You know, for example, what if he doesn't want to use the three man back line anymore and, and he wants to go to a whole different formation? Does he have enough time to implement that? with the next game being one of the most important of the season for a number of different reasons. So perhaps the injection of energy will overcome uh, the problems with the formation. Perhaps the problems of the formation will, will, will uh, sink and muddle the injection of energy. Well, we won't know until the Toronto game, but Chris Klein, I think is right in his thinking. Yeah, it is. It's interesting. I was just, I was writing notes as you were talking and I'm sort of going back over my head, and I, I was trying to remember now um, all, all the things that you've seen from from this the LA Galaxy since Bruce Arena left. And I think it's important to note, uh, and you and I have have noted it many times, how how extremely jovial Bruce Arena was whenever he left the LA Galaxy towards the end there, um, and went over to the U.S. Men's National Team and the life that seemed to breathe. We have documented Kevin uh, the fact that Dave Sarakin was basically run out of town by the LA Galaxy, um, and that uh, he eventually went and joined Bruce's coaching staff along with all the other LA Galaxy coaches except for Kurt Analfo uh, to, to go over to the U.S. men's national team. Then you look and, and see how you know Kurt Analfo was basically thrown under the bus uh, and blamed for last season's complete lack of uh, a success and, and the team finishing last in, in MLS. And now you look at Siggy Schmidt. I mean, this is a long line of unbelievably talented soccer personalities. I mean, between Bruce and Dave um, Kurt and Alfa, I'll throw him in there as well, and Siggy Schmidt. Uh, clearly, Bruce and Siggy Schmidt on a completely different level of their own. Dave Sarakin, no slouch in terms of MLS coaching, uh, and I still think Kurt and Alfa definitely got a raw deal with the LA Galaxy and, and think that with him, with this team, maybe is more successful. Um, maybe there's maybe there's other things to look at in terms of how he goes, but I mean, all those things being said, Kevin, that's now four relatively uh, you know, good personalities the LA Galaxy have somehow managed to get rid of in a very short amount of time whenever you look at the uh, the turnover that's uh, that's been accomplished. And so when you go and talk to somebody of, of the caliber of a Greg Berhalter, 
um, all of a sudden he has to look at that and say, well, wait a minute, is this the kind of situation I want to get myself into? Think back just a couple of years uh, when the Galaxy could have had anybody they wanted. You know, the, the, the Galaxy won three MLS Cups in four years. They were the New York Yankees of soccer. You, you realize that last year when they missed the playoffs was just, the, uh, I believe, the fourth time they've missed the playoffs in their history. Um, they don't miss the playoffs very often. So, um, uh, you know, they, they were able to uh, attract and keep the best talent. And that's why you had guys like, um, you know, like Greg Berhalter come here to be a coach in the first place. Um, that's been damaged a little bit. So Greg Berhalter is going to think about that and say, do I really want to come here? And then on top of that, you know, another candidate I've heard that's popped up is uh, one name that's been mentioned is Dave Sarakin. Uh, I don't see any way that that happens when they, when they try to turn, cut his pay and tell him that he was not a valuable part of the team and, and that they, uh, you know, basically cut his pay in half and challenged him to leave. And he did. Um, how does he then turn around and say, yeah, I'm the answer to your prayers. I'm going to come in and save the team. Um, and, and how does any coach that wants to implement his own kind of program, how does he come in and do that knowing that the last two coaches didn't even last a full season? Yeah, I mean, uh, Paul Tenorio wrote for The Athletic about um, how the shine is off of the LA Galaxy, how it's no longer a uh, a, a position, and he had a, a GM of a different club around the league talking about how uh, people don't want to go to the Galaxy because they realize that the Galaxy are a franchise that's in turmoil, uh, that the front office is in disarray, and that you know these, these, these nets that they're going to cast, the LA Galaxy, trying to convince somebody to come over, it's going to be a difficult sell right now. Uh, you have a uh, a team across the street who seems to be doing all the right things r- right now uh, is in the playoff picture, and you have the LA Galaxy who have gone through now uh, three coaches or at least two coaches in the last two years, uh, neither of which made it the full season. I mean, this is not a place right now, and you talked about Greg Burrow. I think that he's number one right now on the list, Kevin. I don't think there's any any discussion about that, that Greg Berhalter is probably the top candidate there. It's just whether or not the LA Galaxy can persuade him away from U.S. soccer, which he does look like he's in in line for that job as well. And I'll tell you right now, if it's straight up, Kevin, absolutely straight up, Greg Berhalter's taking the U.S. men's national team job over an L.A. Galaxy job. But with the turmoil in in Berhalter's own backyard right now in Columbus with a team that looks like it's moving to Austin and all the headaches that are associated with that, uh, Greg Berhalter, who's also the technical director at Columbus Crew, could come over to the L.A. Galaxy and and be the GM slash technical director slash everything. Remember, the Galaxy don't have a GM right now, Kevin, which is a whole other story as well uh, about how this front office is sort of put together. Yeah, Chris Klein talked about that, and he said if they go out and get a coach who is a coach and not a uh, player personnel person, then they will go out and hire a general manager. And then that led to the question of, well, do you hire the general manager and allow him to hire the coach? You know, is it the chicken or the egg? And that's a very tough one. Uh, That's almost an impossible question to answer, because if you hire a a coach who, like Greg Berhalter, is used to being coach and GM, as Bruce Arena was very successfully, that guy's going to want to do both jobs. Um, but if you hire a coach who is only a coach, then you have to hire a general manager to work with a coach who's already in place. That's very uncomfortable either. I will say that if a coach, you know, whatever coach they get, and the Galaxy are not going to, I don't think they're going to go back and look at USL coaches again. I think they're going to hire an MLS coach. And, and let's not be uh, too dismissive of Kurt Anoffel. He had coached a couple of other MLS franchises. So, um, you know, he wasn't solely a USL coach. But, I mean, if they're talking about, a Greg Berhalter or a Caleb Porter or somebody like that. Um, if I'm that coach, I'm going to come in and say, look, I don't want to ever see Pete Vianas. Um, uh, you know, I, I want to do my own thing. 
I will ask you guys questions when I need your help. Otherwise, stay out of my face. Um, you know, let me do my thing. And I would also offer, uh, ask for a very lucrative multi-year contract with a big buyout clause. In other words, guarantee myself a couple of seasons to put together my plan. And if I'm out of the playoff race with six games to go that I'm not let go in midseason, like a couple other coaches were, and allow me to, to implement my philosophy. I think that's the only way, that, I think that's the starting point for some of these bigger coaches. And even then it might not work because, you know, as Paul Tenorio said, and as, as we have talked about, um, you know, the, the, the bloom is off the flower a little bit. This is not the, uh, the great place that I think that it once was. Now it can be, they clearly have the resources uh, in a number of different reasons. AEG has more money than God, so they can do whatever they want. It's a nice facility, um, especially uh, the training facility that the Galaxy has. It's, it's a destination for a lot of players and um, it's very easy to recruit to LA. I mean, that's why Ashley Cole came. That's why Nadal Young came. They came at a discount rate, and, and that's why it's a lot of times when you don't see players like that going to Salt Lake or Kansas City, which has a great facility as well, or with the exception of Boston Schweinsteiger, not a lot of people going to Chicago. They come to LA, to New York, maybe to Seattle. So the Galaxy has a ton of built-in advantages, but they're really kind of messing that up now, I think, and um, they need to find some stability pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, stability is ridiculously important. I mean, let's face it, you have a guy who is not shy of sharing his uh, thoughts on everything and anything, uh, Kevin, whenever it comes to Zlatan Ibrahimovic. If the Galaxy fail to use him to his potential in this, what will be his final year, at least final year in his contract, um, you know, I don't think it's it's without saying that whenever Zlatan goes and talks about MLS or the LA Galaxy specifically, that he's going to talk about the shortcomings of, of what has happened in his time with the LA Galaxy. Uh, I don't think there would be any any doubt about that. No, and, and I saw an interview with Nigel DeJong the other day where he uh, he talked about his time with the Galaxy, and he said that Bruce Arena was the best man, man manager he ever, ever played with. And I heard David Beckham use the exact same terminology. I don't think anyone's saying that about, uh, you know, again, I, I like Kurt, but I'm not seeing a lot of people are saying that about Kurt and or saying that this was a, a, a very enjoyable season under Ziggy Schmidt. So they, they do kind of need to get that back. Um, and don't underestimate the potential. And I don't know anything about this. I'm just basing this on body language and on stature, I suppose. Uh, the, the, the possibility that Zalata may have been uh, involved in this. He seemed very unhappy. You could see him uh, of sort of uh, um, growing more and more disenchanted as things went along. And that led to some rumors he was going to Egypt and other things that were just ridiculous. But happy's a lot time did not engender any rumors like that. Sad's a lot time. All of a sudden people are talking about winter transfers to Europe and going to play in Egypt and a bunch of other things. He was clearly very unhappy, both with the play of the team and the direction of the team. And I don't know whether he went to the front office, whether the front office called him in or whether discussions were had at all. I don't know that. I do know some players were unhappy uh, with the direction of the team and with Ziggy's coaching. I don't know if Salatan was one of those, but certainly his body language indicated that he was not happy with the way things are going. And when he is your big star and he is the guy that uh, is going to take your message back to Europe, he's the guy with the 500 goals. 
I think you tend to listen to him a little bit. Yeah, and, and uh, Chris Klein was asked specifically that question, Kevin, about whether or not Zlatan approached management about Siggy Schmidt. Uh, Ke- uh, Chris Klein says, uh, I understand his reputation and his personality, but he has been beyond professional. He would never go there even if he wanted to. The answer to your question is no. So Klein dis- you know, coming out and saying flat out that Zlatan didn't have anything to do with this, but I'm very much with you, Kevin. I think that uh, Zlatan certainly throws enough weight around and has the respect uh, and the ear of the front office enough to be able to go in there and, and make any sort of comments that he wants without fear of anything, uh, any reprisal, anything happening to him. Um, and, and like you said, it, it goes along with the overall player unease about this, about Siggy Schmidt, and maybe perhaps how uh, how excited now they are with uh, with uh, Dominic Kinnear. So um, again, it's 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 a super interesting. Yeah, you know, situation that you find yourself in, all this stuff. But you know, the bottom line is the galaxy coming out and saying that you know Siggy Schmidt wants to walk away from all this stuff um, doesn't seem to be following uh, following the script very well. Everything seems to be indicating that Siggy Schmidt um, was, as you said so poetically, Kevin, there walked to the door. I have I have a, I have another question though, um, and really it comes with ownership and it comes with AEG itself. I mean, if you're Dan Beckerman now and you're evaluating this front office, what confidence do you have, Kevin, that Chris Klein and Pete Vianis and the rest of the front office who already made, you know, two coaching hires and now, uh, now, uh, looking to make their third, um, can get this right now if you're Dan Beckerman. And then if you go even above that, if you're Phil Anschutz, what are you thinking about this right now? Well, if you're Dan Beckerman, you look at the fact that when the Kings did not make the playoffs with a very bad team uh, under Daryl Sutter, a team that did that Daryl Sutter said at the beginning of the season had no right to be considered as a playoff team, and they very came very very close down to the last ten days of the season making the playoffs. Um, Dan Beckerman, rather than saying, "Hey, you guys, good job," he fired both Daryl Sutter and Dean Lombardi, the general manager, the pair that had taken them to the Stanley Cup uh, championship twice. So that's what he thinks about the hockey team. Now, with this uh, soccer team, look at it this way. You uh, had Bruce Arena, and then he left. And so then you bring in Kurt Onofo, and you try to go young, and you try to go in a whole different start, sort of a startup program. You know, It was a fixer-upper, and, and that failed miserably. So then you go to the most established coach in MLS, other than Bruce Arena, who's no longer available. You go to Ziggy Schmidt, the winningest coach in MLS history now, a guy that had taken Seattle to eight straight playoff uh, appearances, a guy that had won two MLS Cups, that doesn't work out. So what is the what is the one uh, common denominator between the young startup approach and the veteran uh, um, uh, experienced approach? The one common denominator is the front office remains the same. Pete Bayanis remains in, in that position. Chris Klein is still there. Jovan Karofsky is still there. Those, those guys haven't changed. So if you try two diametrically different approaches and get basically the same situation, last year they gave up 67 goals, this year 54, um, you know, straight, uh, failing to play defense, if, if that happens, don't you have to say, well, maybe we're not uh, actually addressing the real problem here. Maybe the real problem is not the coach, it's somewhere else. Um, I have heard from people close to the team that uh, they will blow up the whole organization before they touch the front office. And um, it, it, it you know, Chris Klein mentioned today that everyone is going to be reevaluated. You, you just, it, it's just staring you right in the face. Two different coaching approaches, same result. Maybe it's not the coach. 
Yeah, and maybe it's not the coach. And, and I would add even, you know, going further, if you're Phil Anschutz, a guy who is known uh, as, you know, one of the fathers of Major League Soccer in terms of keeping it running, um, you know, Robert Kraft is one of those guys as well. Um, and then, uh, you know, it, it's the the hunts um, also fall into that category. I mean, that's one of the things Phil Anschutz is known for. I doubt Phil Anschutz is going to take a look at this and say that he's all happy with how the LA Galaxy are run, really the crown jewel of Major League Soccer for so long. And Phil Anschutz gets a, got a ton of credit when all that was happening. Seeing what's happening with the LA Galaxy now, uh, the likelihood that they missed the playoffs, I think we talked about it, they had a 13% chance of making the playoffs uh, coming back uh, last Thursday. I haven't checked to see if that changed on Monday. Um, but, you know, looking at all these things and how they go, um, you're, you're seeing the LA Galaxy spiral down the drain. And it may not have been, be happening as fast. And, and maybe last year was that sudden sort of lurch uh, that started the momentum down the drain and finishing last in Major League Soccer for the first time in franchise history is one of those things. But if you're Phil Anschutz, you know, I, I was told specifically today, Phil Anschutz is not a stupid guy, and, and clearly he's not. Clearly he's a smart guy, um, and he's done a lot of things right in his life and in his business uh, to have the success that he has. And one of those things is probably not suffering, you know, the types of seasons that the LA Galaxy have had. And so if you're Dan Beckerman and you're not ready to make the call um, to clear out the front office, um, then if you're Dan Beckerman, are you worried about your job when Phil Anschutz comes calling and starts talking about, you know, how the LA Galaxy are doing and why you haven't done anything? So I think there's pressure at every level here, including at Phil Anschutz, who's, who's saying, you know, this can't continue. I mean, I have to imagine that's what he's saying. We, you never hear from, uh, from Phil, unfortunately. He's not one of these guys who makes the circuit, Kevin. He's kind of one of these uh, enigmas. I think I've seen him once or twice as he floated quickly by. But he's got to be a but guy. His name, is, yeah. his, his name is on the MLS Cup, so uh, obviously he cares. But I do think that, um, that maybe you're focusing on too small a part of the picture because uh, AEG is a huge uh, right. worldwide entertainment uh, conglomerate. And even Dan Beckerman here, the, the things that he manages in Southern California, everything else is going pretty well. The Kings, uh, whether they win or not, sell out every game. They're making tons of money. Um, you know, the Staples Center is doing very well. Uh, you know, the, the basketball teams are doing very well. And the, the AEG has sort of a part interest in that. Um, the Galaxy is still drawing fans, still selling season tickets. The Chargers are in there now. Uh, AEG is getting a ton of money. They have an, they, an NFL uh, stake now with the Chargers playing there for at least another season and a half or two seasons. Um, so all that, those things are going really well. What's, what really killed Tim Wiki when he was there wasn't the success or failure of his teams. And remember the Galaxy, again, three out of four years won the NML, MLS Cup under Tim Wiki or the, the team that Tim Wiki built anyways. He brought David Beckham in, re-signed David Beckham, did a lot of great things. Um, what sunk him was the, the failure to get that NFL stadium done. He put AEG's name on the line, said they were going to get the stadium, was out in front of that, uh, really staked his credibility on that, and it went nowhere. And I think that's what got him fired from AEG, it, it, getting the name out there on a project that failed. Uh, I think Dan Beckerman's learned from that and has remained somewhat quiet. He hasn't been the public persona that Tim Wiki has been, but he sort of crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's as far as making uh, the money making things that, that the, the team was done. So there may be a little bit of patience uh, with Phil uh, shoots as far as the galaxy goes. And, and certainly I know that Phil was a little bit concerned about how much money the galaxy was losing when they had 19, 20 and $21 million payrolls. They don't have that anymore. So maybe Dan Beckerman gets a little bit of, uh, you know, extra presence in his Christmas stocking every year because of that. 
So I, I, I'm not sure that Phil is looking at it the same way. He may at this, I, I, I'm sure that he wants to win. I'm sure all things being equal, he wants to win, but I don't think he is looking at Dan Beckerman's performance and saying, all the other things you did are great, but the Galaxy may not make the playoffs, so you're out. No, uh, or you got to go fire your general manager. I'm going to micromanage this thing. No, you, um, I, I don't know that that necessarily is happening. You bring up such a good point on that in terms of you know the overall reach of AEG and like you said, a multi-billion-dollar company. Uh, you know, Dan Beckerman in charge of so many other things, and the LA Galaxy, quite honestly, a small little. Uh, you know, blip on the AEG radar for for most of the time. Um, I, I still think Anschutz has that pride, um, and like you said, his name is on the MLS Cup trophy. It's there, so I think if he gets fed up, he could wipe it clear. Clear. And it, by the way, it's not just. And I, I get I get a bunch of flack for this all the time, and whether it's from um, you know people in the front office or, or, or anywhere else around the galaxy, it's not just you know me saying the Galaxy front office is certainly somewhere to look. I, I, Kevin and I have talked about it. I mean, Ives Soccer by Ives. Also uh, tweeting out today that the Galaxy are due a proper front office clean-out this winter. Siggy is far from the only one to blame for the Galaxy's rough two years post-Bruce. One coach I could see landing in L.A. come 2019, obviously, was Caleb Porter and Greg Borhalter, two, two, uh, two guys we already talked about. But, I mean, this is this is something that is clear on a lot of people's minds, and I think even on a lot of players' minds, that they think that perhaps this uh, this front office is, is underperforming as well. Well, and, and another thing we haven't even talked about, Sebastian Legette, who's the latest Galaxy player to be injured. He was here with the national team shortly. Well, actually, he left when we were still in East Rutherford, New Jersey, before the Brazil game. Um, and he, he said that he was injured in the LAFC game and was getting treatment from uh, the, the physio staff then. U.S. soccer told me originally that the injury was a hip, um, which I took to mean abductor, an abductor injury. When I talked to Seba, he told me ab, and then as I began to write the story, I thought, does he mean abdomen as abdominal injury, or did he mean ab as in short for abductor? So I reached out to the Galaxy, and I asked to the PR staff and said, can you find out with the training staff what this is? Is it ab as an abductor as in hip, or is it abdominal? And the reply came back, check with the physios, absolutely is not an abdominal injury. Don't know what it is, but absolutely is not an abdominal injury. Guess what? When he was sent home, U.S. soccer said it was an abdominal injury. So maybe that's part of the problem, too, with all these injured players. Maybe the, tra- the trainers apparently are treating the wrong part of the body. You know, like a guy has a, an elbow problem and they start working on his ankle. You know, it, it seems as if uh, uh, this is more than just a coaching problem. Yeah, Kevin, always uh, always interesting with L.A. Galaxy news and, and injuries, um, as we've documented many times throughout this uh, these long seasons about how sometimes injuries aren't really injuries and sometimes they are and sometimes they're the wrong injuries and sometimes the information isn't given to us and sometimes it's shortened the, the length of the time the player is short. So yeah, I mean... I don't know. I don't know what uh, what Seba's status is right now. Um, obviously, LA Galaxy back to training. Reporter's probably going to be out there Tuesday, Wednesday, I believe, uh, maybe Thursday as well, before the LA Galaxy get ready to take off uh, to head to Toronto for that Saturday, September 15th game. A 4.30 p.m. kickoff time. It's at BMO Field in Toronto. A, a long road trip. But Spectrum Sportsnet, Spectrum Deportes is where you can find it. Uh, so, Kevin, we should find out more about the availability of players towards the end of this week. And then, of course, you will eventually make it back into, uh, into so Cal land uh, as you're done chasing around the U.S. men's national team after uh, after their friendly on uh, on Tuesday night. 
Yeah, this is a good time to be away. Clearly nothing happened in LA of any note, so this was good. Yeah, I was going to say, you picked a good time. I I said I picked a good time. Uh, my flight got delayed by like almost three hours last night, so I actually didn't get to bed until about 2 a.m. on Monday morning. Uh, and then I was, I tweeted out, man, I could really use a nap today. And about 10 minutes after that, uh, we got all the information that uh, Siggy Schmidt uh, had, had had gone away from the LA Galaxy. And so I didn't get any rest today, uh, which is always nice. But now, I, your flight was... Yeah. Your flight was out of Denver. Yeah, it was out of Denver. So, I, I, I go through Denver tomorrow. Am I, am I in trouble? It's, it's really the East Coast weather that's causing all of this problem. Obviously, hurricanes now, uh, now approaching the East Coast, and then there were a whole bunch of thunderstorms yesterday uh, on, uh, on Sunday uh, that delayed the flight getting into Denver. So I think you'll be okay. I think you'll be fine, but okay. yeah, it, it'll be it'll be one of those things. Of course, I did go to Denver, Kevin, uh, to get in some practice rounds of mini golf because I was readying myself for the Panda and Pato uh, Mini Golf Classic that is going on September 16th at 11 a.m. Uh, after all the fun that we've had this week, Kevin, I think we'll definitely need a little bit of a, a break and get uh, out to the mini golf course. And of course, we're inviting all of you out there to uh, to join us and come play some mini golf. And I would like to point out that I shot uh, one over par in my practice round. Um, and it would have been even par, except my son decided to tackle one of my golf balls as it was going in for a hole-in-one and said that I didn't get the hole-in-one. Uh, and so I, that was my plus one right there. That could have happened. So uh, I, I roundly uh, told my son that if he ever did that again, that we'd have some words. Because um, nobody messes with well, my maybe, mini golf. Maybe you'll be up to par next time. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm over par. That's, is that a, I don't know. Can you say that if you're up to par? Is over par better, but over par in golf isn't anyway. You'll well, see. I know I know after I know after this week you are sponsoring the nineteenth hole. I know that. <laughs> Don't you dare commit me to financial <laughs> uh, uh, dedications to any of this stuff. But no, we do want to see everybody out there. So uh, go to our Facebook page. The link is at the top of this podcast as you see it. Uh, you can go ahead and pop that link and tell us if you think what, you're coming. What, yeah. What? What do you mean? Don't don't commit you to fight. You just spent one hundred and twenty dollars on a Lego. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that was that was because you know how you make bets with your children and you don't think they're ever going to accomplish them, and then they do, and it ends up costing you money. Yeah, that's that that's my life right now. That's my life. My son. Hey, good for him. I mean, you know, I remember that I once waited Kevin six years to get a remote control airplane because my parents said when you're twelve you can get one. And uh, now you have a real airplane. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I wish. I wish I had a real airplane. That would be nice. The COG you private jet. You, you have a pilot's license. That's I, close. I do. I do. It's just not current anymore. All right. Uh, anything else, Kevin, you want to get to? Obviously, uh, a crazy time. We're still learning a bunch about this. It wouldn't be surprising if we learn a whole bunch more information by the time we have another live show on Thursday. Uh, we'll see if Kevin is around and if he has any more information, if he can join us. Eric is going to be on the show on Thursday night with me here in studio. So if Kevin has any updates, we'll invite him to call in so we can get those but a live show on thursday to we're, get you ready for the uh the toronto game yes kevin we're hearing wild rumors about possible assistant coaches and a lot of other things and we we have seen your your messages your thoughts and prayers um <laughs> but we do not believe that any of these rumors are true at the, at the moment we've reached out to a number of different sources who have knocked them all down so we're not going to add to the clutter uh about all things going around with the galaxy bottom line is ziggy's out dominic Kinnear is the interim coach uh, we don't know the health of Sebastian Legette or anybody else for that matter. Uh, the Galaxy will be playing Saturday in Toronto. We're pretty sure of that. Although you know what, how close is uh, t- Toronto's not in the in the uh, in the uh, eye of that storm? Is, are they that the storm's not going to go anywhere near them? So where, where chances do, are they will play that game. Where in geography do you think Toronto is in any way, shape, or form going to be affected by any hurricane that hits South, South Carolina and North Carolina? 
It, it's in for it's a foreign country, right? It's down in the Caribbean, that's, right? That's just, just off the coast of Puerto Rico. That's exactly where it is. You're right. All right, I, I stand yeah, corrected. That's what I thought. All right, if you're looking for Mr. Uh, Kevin Baxter, please head on he's over. He's in Toronto. Yeah, he's in, he will he won't be in Toronto. He's in Nashville. That's where he's at, and then he'll be hopefully back in SoCal here very soon. But if you're looking for him on Twitter at kbaxter11, of course, head on over to latimes.com for all of Kevin's uh, amazing coverage of Siggy Schmidt uh, resigning in soccer in general in Southern California and around the United States covering the U.S. men's national team taking on Mexico right now. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. And uh, please head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. That's where you can find information on our event that's coming up. Uh, you can see that on this podcast as well. And as a special bonus for everybody, I'm telling you right now, after this gets done, after we fade out here, you will have 20 minutes of uninterrupted audio from the press conference. Uh, the LA Galaxy put out about three and a half minutes. We're going to give you all of it so that way you can hear the questions that were asked and the answers that were there. That's our commitment to you. All right. For Mr. Kevin Baxter, I'm Josh Kessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Everyone have a great day. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody. And now we bring you the unedited conference call with Chris Klein after the resignation of Siggy Schmidt. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Brendan Hannon with the LA Galaxy. Thanks for taking the time to join us. Um, I'm sure everyone has seen the press release, but I'm going to hand the phone over to LA Galaxy President Chris Klein. He will start with some opening remarks, and then we'll take questions and a Q&A. Uh, to answer or to put in for a question, please hit star five, five star. Um, if you hit five star, you will be loaded into the queue and you will be able to ask a question. We will take questions one at a time for LA Galaxy President Chris Klein. Um, at the end of the call, we will provide details on training for the LA Galaxy for the end of the week um, and availability for interim head coach Dominic Kinnear. We'll get started with LA Galaxy President Chris Klein. Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining the call. Uh, I know that everyone has read the statement um, that we have put out. Um, just to provide you know, a little further background, uh, after discussion with Ziggy, um, long discussions with Ziggy, uh, we made the collective decision um, and Ziggy decided to step down. Uh, we all feel that this was in the best interest of Ziggy and the club for both the short and long term. It uh, goes without saying that we are beyond thankful to Ziggy and his contributions that he's made uh, with us since he came back in 2017. Um, but with you know a bigger announcement with Ziggy and his career, uh, the impact that he's had on me and us, 
uh, and everyone in the sport of soccer uh, will never be forgotten. So uh, thank you to him. Um, we are certainly looking forward to the last six games of our season. We're confident in Dominic Kinnear as our interim manager and feel that um, he has the tools to, to fight for a playoff spot. We understand uh, the uphill battle that we have, but um, you know, as a club, we're going to keep fighting. Uh, beyond that, just as it relates to long term, we will start the search for uh, our next permanent head coach immediately. With that, I'll take questions. Thanks, Chris. Um, we're going to take questions uh, in this order to start. Um, we'll take Kevin Baxter from the LA Times, Jeff Carlisle from ESPN, and Scott French from MLSsoccer.com. Go ahead and uh, ask your question now, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Hey, Chris. I uh, hope you can hear me. Thanks for taking the time to speak with us about this. Um, you mentioned that you and that Ziggy and the team had a conversation and and that it was decided uh, to make this move that's a little bit different than the release that said seemed to indicate that Ziggy stepped away. Was was this a feeling that the, the team just wasn't performing and many of the players had expressed some discomfort with Ziggy and and uh, it, 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 you made the move for Dominic? Did, did that have something to do with it or did, did he just simply step away? No, I mean, it was, it was a conversation that we had. I don't know if it's that he just simply stepped away. Uh, I'd rather not get into specifics, certainly, um, you know, ones that you've mentioned, but it was a conversation that, that Ziggy had with us, and, and collectively we decided this was best for him and us right now. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Next we'll go to Jeff Carlisle with ESPN. Jeff? Thanks. thanks. Uh, can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay. Uh, you know, was was Ziggy's health an issue at all? And you know, to what extent did he and the front office see eye to eye in terms of the direction of the team and and the players that should be brought in? Yeah, my um, two separate questions. The first one, I mean, Ziggy's health is his personal business, and so I'll leave that to him. And uh, if at some point he'd like to answer that, that's that's his prerogative. Uh, as it relates to the team and, and um, the building of the team, I mean, Ziggy had full authority to uh, make roster decisions with this team for this year. Um, so that was clear. So I don't see how there was, was disagreement. So um, there's always discussions that happen, but uh, we had a great working relationship with Ziggy. Okay, thanks. Yes. Thanks, Jeff. Take question from Scott French, MLSsoccer.com. Scott? Hi, Chris. Uh, I guess I've got two questions as well. And the first one was, was there dissatisfaction with uh, the direction Ziggy was taking the team in? And in Dominic, you've got uh, one of the best coaches MLS has, has had over the years. Was there any thought of making him uh, a head coach without the interim tag? And I imagine he will be among those who you are considering for uh, the full-time head coaching job? Uh, sure. Uh, I mean, your first question, uh, Scott, is, yeah, we're not satisfied or happy with uh, where the team is, is at right now. So, uh, you know, our expectations are much higher than that. We know that that responsibility extends beyond 
um, just Ziggy. So in, in saying that, we're still uh, have a fighter's chance, and we're going to continue to to work and and take it a game at a time and see if we can get back um, in the race. Uh, I think we're three points out at this point, so um, we are going to give it everything that we have. Uh, as it relates to Dominic, um, we know that our next permanent head coach is a, is a very big decision, uh, and we want to take the appropriate time and evaluate um, all the candidates, um, foreign um, domestic candidates, and so we're going to give that the appropriate amount of time so we can make a wise decision. Uh, Dominic's credentials speak for themselves. Uh, he's been an amazing coach in our league, and he came here as Ziggy's assistant, uh, and so him being the interim coach uh, for the rest of the year was, was always the direction once we decided this. Uh, will he be a candidate for our next coach? I mean, um, yeah, if Dominic chooses his resume, uh, is a good one and, and someone that, that we would always consider. Thank you. Thanks for everyone looking to ask a question. It's five star. Uh, five star to ask a question. The next two questions, the first one will come from Paul Tenorio with The Athletic, and the second will come from Larry Morgan with Corner of the Galaxy. Paul, go ahead. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Brendan. Chris, uh, just to start, can you clarify who initiated this conversation that ultimately led to this uh, to this point? Did, did you guys approach Ziggy and share with him your plans for after the season or your thoughts for what the future would look like, or did Ziggy approach the team and with concerns and, and initiated the, the stepping down process? Yeah, I mean, as I said, we are always in conversation, um, and it was collectively a, a conversation that we had with him. It wasn't initiated by um, by one side or the other. Um, this is obviously the second coaching change in as many seasons. Uh, do you think at some point uh, there needs to be changes or, or that there need to be a look at the front office as much as the coaching position? Are, are, there, um, are there considerations for changing beyond just the head coach for next season? Yeah, we need to take inventory of – I mean, the objective right now is finishing the last – six games of the season and hopefully the playoffs, but uh, we need to take inventory of, of the way that we do things on, on the soccer side. And we're constantly evaluating that and looking at ways that we can get better. Um, and we know that we can. So uh, the answer to your question is sure. We need to, there's nothing specific that we point to uh, right now, but that evaluation is taking place. And sorry, lastly, just sneak one more in. Have, have you already had any discussions with potential coaching candidates for next season? We have not. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. Larry? We'll go to Larry Morgan with Corner of the Galaxy. Larry? Yes, thanks, Brendan. Hi, Chris. Hi, Larry. Um, Chris, with with uh, with the team desperately trying to, to make the playoffs, how concerned are you with the timing of this change? Uh, yeah, I mean, a, a change during a season is is never ideal. Um, so um, that that is a concern. But Dominic knows this team well, um, knows the group, and and knows what's needed. So uh, at this point in the season, uh, again, never ideal. But we still feel that we have. 
um, some some games left where we could uh, where we can make some noise. And it's it's one game uh, at a time for this, and that's the objective and the focus for for Dominic and this group. Thank you. Of course. Um, we'll take another question from Scott French with MLSsoccer.com. Again, to ask a question, please enter five star, um, and you will be loaded into the queue. Uh, go ahead, Scott. Yeah, Chris. Uh, the, with the timing of this, it, it, might it also be in 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 the best interest of the Galaxy to, that the timing occur now, that it takes some of the weight off of the players, some of the things that have been going on in the last few games, especially and. And uh, maybe uh, maybe put them on a different uh, on a different path. Yeah, it's a Scott, good question. And you know, the earlier question is it is it bad timing? Is it good timing? It could be looked at both ways. Uh, you know, we're hopeful that you know possibly an injection of energy into the group and um, that with getting some players back that it could it could shift to momentum. But the the reality is we just don't know. Um, but we are we are hoping that it's a good thing for us. Thank you. Next, we'll go to Damian Calhoun with the LA News Group. Damian, uh, Chris, um, why do you think this team has never really found its uh, its, its footing this season? I know you, you um you, in, in a uh, late summer you had the, the one stretch there where things you guys got the third place, but why do you think things never been consistent uh, this season? Uh, I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure. It's been, it's been up and down and in periods where we have played, uh, really well attacking wise, we've played well, possibly defending. We haven't, um, been as, as great, but I'm not sure the answer. We've had a lot of players that have been in and out of the lineup, World Cup, uh, and, and things like that. As always in MLS, um, consistency is a key and, uh, you are going to have down periods in our league. It's the reality of of our system. It's the reality of our league, and you have to make sure that the ups are uh, more frequent than the downs. So uh, the margin is very small between having a good season and kind of being on the outside looking in. Um, and so to to evaluate that, I'd leave that to to our soccer group. But consistency has certainly been the key. Thanks, Damien. Take a couple more questions. We'll start with Paul Tenorio with The Athletic, uh, John Rojas with ESPN Deportes, uh, Adam Serrano with LAGalaxy.com, and Glenn Crooks after that. We'll go with Paul Tenorio. Go ahead, Paul. Thanks. Uh, Chris, you mentioned obviously Ziggy had full say over the roster this year. Um, with that said, looking forward to next year, are you guys also opening up a search for a general manager to to kind of head up all the soccer operations. Uh, would you prefer to have a separate GM and coach, or would you also consider a coach, um, as there are a few in this league that would want both coaching and GM duties? Uh, yeah, interesting question, Paul. I, the answer to your question will be yes. Uh, we are looking at all of it, and we are evaluating what will position um, the LA Galaxy to – uh, be the standard as a club in our league, and um, there are you know there are many names that we know that that do both. There are some that that do one or the other, uh, and we want the best at each position so that we can 
position our club to, to be at the top. And so the answer to your question is yes, we're looking at all of it. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. We'll take a question from John Rojas. John? John? All right, we'll come back to John. We'll go to Adam Serrano with LAGalaxy.com. Adam? Uh, Chris, I guess my question is, uh, how do you approach this coaching search differently uh, than the one that led to Ziggy, and how do you uh, look to find your ideal candidate? You touched on this a little bit, but can you elaborate? Yeah, uh, I mean, Ziggy came in in the middle of the season, um, and this is different. This is a um, this is a search for our next head coach, and so in, in doing that, we are going to look in the mirror and look at at everything and the, the way that we operate and how we can get better. We have a longer window um, to be able to conduct the appropriate. Uh, search for our next head coach and we're going to do that we understand the importance uh, of that and we understand what it can do for a team and for a club and so with this amount of time that we feel we're going to be afforded the chance to do that thanks Adam uh, we'll take a question from Glenn Crooks Glenn thank you thank you uh, Chris, uh, you've got that high-profile guy that doesn't ever hold back, uh, Ibrahimovic. I'm just curious, uh, did he ever approach you or anybody in management regarding Siggy? Uh, no, I mean, Slotan, uh since he has come, I know, I understand his reputation and his personality, but he has been beyond professional, and he would never go there even if he wanted to. So... Uh, the answer to your question is no. Thanks, Glenn. Thank you. Um, we're going to try to get John Rojas in here. John? Uh, we're going to take one last question, and it'll be from Scott French with MLSsoccer.com. Scott? Uh, I, I'm not sure I'm in now. Can you hear me? Uh, I think you're in. We can hear you. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, yeah, the, the instructions were saying line muted, all type of stuff. Hey, is uh, uh, Chris, would, is, uh, is there any interest? With, are you uh, going, to pers it's going to look at, going to talk with Bruce Arena at all about this job? Again, Scott, you know, we're looking at, at everything, and, and we will evaluate that. We haven't started our search yet, and so we will – um, come up with a profile of what we're looking for, and, and we'll target those candidates and, you know, would we'll decline to discuss specific names at this point. Uh, would he be somebody that you might consider, at least within that process, the way you will, the way that you are going to with Dom? I mean, look, Bruce is, Bruce is a legend, and we have a long working relationship. So, uh, again, without not, I'm not going to get into discussing specific names. All right. Thank you. Of course.
We'll take one last question from Paul Tenorio at the Athletic. Paul? Sorry, one more follow-up question here. Um, as you're evaluating this, it kind of struck me in the same way with the U.S. search that once they decided they were going to have a GM position, they wanted to make that hire first and allowed the GM to make the coaching hire. As you evaluate this position, you look at the front office and the way it's structured, if you decide to hire a general manager, would you make that hire first and allow that GM to pick the coach? Is that a possibility of what we could see in this process? Yeah, and another good question, Paul. Uh, we have to look at, we know we fell short in, in some of these areas. And so um, whichever one comes first, I understand where your question is coming from. Uh, we will look at those possibilities. I believe that the soccer people need to make the soccer decisions um, so that they can all be bought in and on the same page so that they can uh, work day to day on trying to get better. So. Uh, again, without laying out the specifics on how we're going to approach this, and that will come uh, soon, the answer to your question is that's a possibility. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Chris, uh, for tuning in. Uh, for those here locally in the Los Angeles market, um, LA Galaxy interim head coach Dominic Kinnear will be available following training uh, Tuesday, September 11th. We train at 10 a.m. Uh, training should end at around 11, 11.30. Uh, please reach out to Chris Glidden or Vicky Mercado should you be interested in attending. Um, please reach out to any of us should you have any additional questions. And thanks for tuning in this afternoon. Uh, look forward to speaking with you all again soon. Cheers. Bye-bye.